Welcome back to part B of episode five, the concluding uh, part of A Simple Life with Michael Jeffries. I mentioned last episode that I was having some trouble um, getting the episode out uh, because I was concerned about, you know, how people would like it. And um, I got the nicest text from a friend who over the weekend texted me and said, listening to episode 5A and loving it. And that text just was so encouraging to me. It was uh, all that I needed to remind me that, um, you know, I've got friends that love my creative expression, whether or not uh, anybody else does or whether or not I can make a living at this or any of those questions, you know, how will you define failure or success? And that really helped me realize it's this podcast is already a success because I wanted to do it and I'm doing it. And a friend really encouraged me. So thank you um, to that person. And I'm excited to make this episode available to those of you who listened to part A of episode five. If you recall in part A, we heard from Jason Gooden and we heard all about Jason's upbringing here in the Midwest as a conservative, Republican, non-denominational Christian. And uh, all of the things that that meant for his worldview and then we also learned about his childhood understanding of the story of Noah and the flood from the Bible, from the book of Genesis in the Bible. And this concluding episode, uh, uh, part of the episode, part B, will now um, continue with the interview. And Jason is going to take us back to the story of Noah now that we have the context for his worldview and understanding and also how he you know, was raised to understand the story. Now we really have a full picture to be able to hear how he interprets that story now and how the different experiences of his life have have given him some new information and influenced his understanding uh, and provided um, the untraditional uh, interpretation that he has, which, as I said previously, I think is really unique and cool and interesting and worth hearing. So if you didn't listen to part A, feel free to go back and listen to that now. To be honest though, if you want to skip part A, you can and listen just to part B. You will be hearing Jason's interpretation of the story of Noah and the flood. If you have any interest in the interpretation and want more context on it, that would be a good reason to go back and listen to part A because that's the episode uh, or the portion of this episode five rather that really delves into the context for Jason's understanding, how he was originally raised to think of that story, and, you know, the context for his life up until this moment. And it's a, I really enjoyed doing the interview and, and enjoyed listening back to it. Hopefully you will too. So if you haven't listened to part A, go ahead and check that out. So before we get into the episode here, just want to um, say a quick thank you to the show's sponsors. Diaper Subscription Diapering Service is a sponsor of A Simple Life with Michael Jeffries. Great diapering service that allows you to have subscription diapers delivered to your house. If you have babies in diapers, 
great way to just always have diapers on hand, very affordable. Me and my wife use them for our babies and we love them. And for those of you who don't have babies but still want to give the gift of diapers, one of the great things about diaper subscription diapering services, you can buy um, essentially uh, credit for people as a gift for their baby shower, for the birth of a new baby, or you just want to do something nice to somebody who's had a baby for a while and want to do something to unexpectedly bless them. Providing them with a, some gift of diaper, subscription diapering service. Um, as a parent of young babies, that would, that, that, that's a, a, a huge, uh, nice thing that I'm sure people would love. Also want to thank, uh, uh, show sponsor Lem's Shoes. Um, as you know, I really like Lem's Shoes, and um, I've been wearing them for four years and, and really appreciate the, the work they do to make products that I enjoy wearing. If you would like to support the show, you can go to the show notes and click on the diaper uh, subscription diapering service link or the Lem Shoes link. Go to their websites. Those links contain little codes that tell those sponsors that you learned about their services through A Simple Life with Michael Jeffries. And if you end up buying anything from them using those links, I'll receive a little bit of money from them. I've also learned that the show, those links don't appear if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify. Um, so unfortunately, if you want to support the show, it's, they make it a little bit more difficult. And that might be true of iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, other platforms. But I know that the show notes work if you go to anchor.fm slash a simple life. Uh, again, if you want to click those links to support the show with the sponsors in the show notes, go to anchor.fm slash a simple life. And there, those links will show up, and you'll be able to click them and and check it out. And if you buy anything, I'll receive a little bit of money. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into this conclusion of a spectacular interview that I had with Jason Gooden about his upbringing and his um, rather unique interpretation of the story of Noah and the flood from Genesis in the Bible. Thanks so much, and enjoy. To Noah now. To Noah. To uh, now, we've got all this context for Jason mm-hmm. growing up, yep. where you've come from, the beliefs and the teachings you had about um, the story of Noah from mm-hmm. Genesis, like who the purpose of the story, the high points of yep. the story, all that stuff. We've got all the t- context. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back to it. Take us back. What do we? What have we learned? Yeah, and I was saying like how I, I read the Bible now and it means something different to me. Okay. It, because what I'm seeing when I read it today are stories of individuals and stories of individuals who in some ways are a lot like me, in some ways are, are like people that I know, are people that I've known, um, but stories of real individuals who are trying to make it through their world and trying to make sense of their world. In the best way that they possibly can, with their, with all their faults and their flaws and their notions of what is right and what is wrong, uh, and 
just in trying to get through and trying to find meaning in life and, and asking the questions of what it is to be human. And sometimes we get, we get that wrong. Um, so I see those narratives now in the Bible in ways that I, that I never had. Okay. Um, and Noah is one of those that I see. And I think Noah is, at least in our current social, political climate, um, with it, the nationalism type of tinge that we have right now, Noah is a story that speaks pretty loudly to me in our current climate. Uh, because what I see out of Noah now is a guy who, I mean, as the text says, he he heard the voice of God, but it doesn't mean that he, he did hear the voice of God okay. in the way that he thinks he heard the voice of God. Um, there's some ambiguity uh, in that claim. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, so Noah, it's almost like the story in the Iwana cult context or the upbringing context, God is the is the protagonist, mm -hmm. and Noah is a supporting cast member. Yep. And now we are coming at the story is Noah is the protagonist. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, a good starting point in this story is at the the end of it and moving beyond the end that I had when I was a kid. Let's do it. You come to some point in the story where. Noah is said to be laying naked, drunk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Him. Whoa. I know where you're going, but that's like way later in the story. It is way later in the story. So the, the for the first part of the story, the only important thing, the only change I need to make for what you're going to lay on me is, uh -huh. number one, remember that thing in Awana where you learned that God talked to Noah and said, do all these things. Yep. And Noah said, okay, and then did them all. The only thing that I need to change in my mind is Noah thought he heard the voice of God. Yep. And then he did what he, what that, what he thought God wanted him to do. Yep. Okay. Yep. But all the rest of the story is the same. Or it doesn't really matter. Yeah, as far as the... The flood and, and people laughing and at him, yep. his family being saved, yep. God bringing all the animals to him. Yep. Like if God wasn't really talking to him, how to get all those animals? Yep. So like I mean, logistically, yeah. that's that's a pretty complex thing to, for one person to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, what what happens when so many of us get you see someone who's who's dying and who has a terminal illness, and they flash back on their lives and they try to put the entirety of their life and encapsulate it in some some sense of meaning. Okay. So I think those stories can be interesting. And where I go with this on in Noah's story is if I look back later into his life and I see the ways that Noah is struggling. Okay. So as, Sorry, oh, no, I, I just want to make ahead. sure we, we set this up Sure. in my mind. Um, so the flood happened. Yep. Right. No doubt about it. Noah was in the boat. At least from a narrative. I mean, I... Right, I, narrative. I, yeah. Right, right. Physically, I'm I not don't, there. Right, yeah. but what we're going to try and get to is meaning for mm -hmm. you in the story. So I just want to make sure that we're understanding all this correctly. Okay. So... So the important thing is that Noah was delusional. 
and he was in a boat while he watched while this mayhem was happening yep. around him. Okay. Yeah. So here's where I, I see Noah. I, he's on this boat, and here's a guy who is certain that he's heard the voice of God. Okay. He is 100% certain that God has told him, get your family on this boat. You will save and reset humanity. Yeah. Through you, everything is going to be be new. And he doubles down on this. He's looking over, at least what I see from a narrative perspective on this. I mean, the Bible can only fit so much into its into its stories. I mean, how it would have taken forever to write that thing down on, on a scribe or, or tap it into a tablet. Um, so it, it's, it contains details, like you said, but it can only contain so many. Um, so I have to look at it from a human perspective. And a story of a man who thinks that he's heard the voice of God. And think about what is this guy experiencing as he's as he's watching the floods rise. Okay. What is this guy who is a member of his community seeing go on around him? Could he really believe that everyone in his community was evil? The whole earth? Yeah, that everyone was. So he, he sees the waters rise and he sees his neighbor, the guy that maybe that he maybe bought bread from, gets swept under. He watches this happen. He looks across and he sees the little girl that his, his own children played with being held up in desperation by her parents. Save my daughter. Save my daughter. Please let us on this boat. At least save my daughter. And he watches this little girl get carried away by the waters and die. And he looks around and he sees all of these people that he knows dying and he hears their screams and can he ever sleep without hearing those screams in his ears anymore can he ever look out on any water again and not think of the people that he knew and was in community with floating off and dying can he do that with any sense, even if God really did tell him that that's what has, had to happen? As a person with a heart and with his own children and his own family, can he look at any of that again in the same way and not grieve that he was a part of it? How does this guy silence those voices in his head? How does he silence what he sees? He was so afraid that those people were evil. And here he is, the one who had a boat to save them. And he watches them die. Okay. Yeah. He had a means of getting them on board. And he, he watches them go under. Did he? I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. One of the I mean, things I thought was interesting was in the text I read mm -hmm. when I was refreshing my memory on the story, like... Mm -hmm. Clearly, he's quite the engineer. Yep. He figures out how to make this massive boat. But then it specifically says that Kim and his family went into the boat and God sealed the door shut. Yeah. 
like that just seemed weird to me because if he's smart enough to build this giant boat, seems like he'd be smart enough to figure out a way to seal it. Yep. And then get in somehow. Um, but it makes me ask the question in response to you know your your mm-hmm. premise. Did he have a way to save people? How could he not hear the screams? Yeah. No. I mean, even, even if it's just that. Yeah. Even if he's not looking them in the eyes. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. How do I mean, how does do you he... feel responsible for... I mean, people are dying all the time all around yes. us. Do you feel that? Do you feel guilty and ashamed about that? Um, do I feel guilty and ashamed of it? In... I feel a duty and a responsibility to do my part to help to help my community and, and Noah, to give back. And Noah was not doing his part. Noah's part was moment. Noah's was based out of the fear that if he didn't do what he thought was his part, those people would take over. So part of God's message to him was only you mm-hmm. and your family in the boat. Yep. Everybody else has to die. He had allowed what he thought he heard from God to define who his enemies were supposed to be in that moment. And those enemies were those who were not aligned with God, despite their humanity. So I see Noah later on in the stories, the text says, as a guy who, I mean, the text says that he was found by his daughters naked and drunk and laid out in the street. Okay, so this is the less less known parts mm-hmm. of the story yeah. of the character of yep, Noah. This is the late, the late life of Noah. Right, so this is more like chapter 9 yeah. of Genesis. Yep. I think. Um, where the boat's all done, him and the animals have all left, life is going on again. Civilization has restarted. Civilization has restarted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somehow out of one family that's... Yeah. Well, he was 600-some years old, right. reportedly, when the flood started. So yep. I don't know how much later this was, but... Okay. Okay. So so he's found... Let's go into this. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we know about this next stage in the story? Of well, I don't know about you. But I know about me and the times when I was, I was, I got pretty drunk uh, when I was younger, several times. Me too. I can't think of a single time when I was so drunk that I took off all of my clothes in the middle of the street (laughs) and had to be found and dragged in someplace, right? Okay. That happens. But if that happens, that's not a one-time thing. You know, you don't yeah. you don't go on a blackout bender to that degree just because you decided that you're feeling down on yourself and you need you need a drink at some point. Right. There's there's a lot of behavior that leads up to that place. Okay. So if so, it if wasn't we're just realistic. Like, yeah, I like I can't look at the Bible and say, well, it, it only documents one time. Right. Maybe he stumbled once. That just doesn't seem realistic from a human experience. To right. Me. Right, so the so the point you're trying to make is Noah has become a drunken, crazy man that goes out, gets blackout wasted, yep. takes off all of his clothes, 
and will just be passed out in public somewhere. Yep. And this is the father of civilization. This is the father of civilization. The this new is father. someone who I, who I can only, uh, I can only speculate, was raised up as the hero. Right. The figure. He's one of the only people revere. in all of civilization that's related to everybody. Yep. He's the big daddy. Okay. That Noah is so George H.W. Bush in like his late years, the, the last couple of years before he passed away, where everybody, everybody liked him, despite you know old political enemies. Okay. Bygones are bygones. Yeah. Water under the bridge. Yep. This nice old man we can all love. Yeah. Yep. Now okay. everybody is pals. Okay. Um. So, so you know, this is this is Noah. He's the guy that the whole civilization looked up to because he apparently saved them all. Okay. But he's going out and he's getting blackout drunk. He's going nuts. Why is he doing that? I mean, now we're in this place where we're finally acknowledging over the last decade, approximately, how much of an effect PTSD has on soldiers returning from war. And I've got to think of Noah in, in that light. What's he going out and, and drinking to that degree, to silence? What's going on in him where he's, so, where he's experiencing his own PTSD for what he had a hand in on his community? And I have to look at it and think. There's a connection here between yeah. this, this abuse of drink and this crazy behavior and um, the flood. Yep. Yeah, that they're, they're, they can, and the connection is, I could have done something about it. I thought the voice of God was telling me to save my family from these people. But what the voice of God was telling me is something is going to happen. You are the one who has the unique skills to build this ship and to make these people your family. Mm. And to build civilization on that. To not make these people the scapegoat, not make them the other, because they're different than you and their belief system is different. Not to go to the extreme of cutting them out and saying that they have no place in your world, no place with you, but instead to go to the ultimate sacrifice of love and give up, give up of yourself to go to the effort to do something that can save them. And he didn't do that. And he knows he didn't do that. Hmm. And he has to live with that. Now, he has to live with those screams that he hears all the time. He has to live with the fact that every time he sees a baby in this rebuilding community of his, he knows that his neighbor didn't live to have his own baby. And that's the Noah that I that I see anymore. I don't see the heroic Noah who built the ship. I see the Noah that is a cautionary tale, that is telling me when I look at others in my life who may have done things very different than, than me, to not write them out, but remember that that is an individual with their own story whom I might be able to have a role in their life or someone will be able to have a role in their life and be able to speak truth into them mm. and to give them another place and another opportunity, but not to write them off. 
and let them go to their own deaths without an advocate, but to be the advocate or to be the supporter to the advocate and to live for that kind of a truth. But to be in this place where certainty is you do these things and if you don't do these things, you're written out. When I live in that kind of a place, I will experience my own form of spiritual torment. I might not go on benders and blackouts and I might not have PTSD, but I will have my own sense of spiritual torment from saving myself from the community that needs me to be a part of it. And Noah chose to save himself. And we're doing that in so many ways right now. It's a human story to look to support and save our own and to prop up systems that do that. But Noah's story tells us not to do that. It tells us, at least to me, it tells me to enter into my community, to use what I can do to save my community and that that will save me. So my faith is, you know, in a sense, it's, it's, it's turned and it's twisted from this sense of certainty to this place of inspiration instead. Okay. Um, okay. I like it. It's, it's thought-provoking. I've got a couple of, of uh, follow-up questions, if that's cool with you. Yeah, I'm good with that. So... Um, do you think that the story the way you tell it is still compatible with because I mean there there's an edge mm -hmm. as you described your upbringing in some of these churches that you were a part mm -hmm. of um, and rightfully so I'm sure um but I'd love to hear, like, is there compatibility with your understanding of Noah and the way they could tell it in Awana? Or, you know, is, it, is your understanding incompatible with the Awana program as a for example, or the Nazarene tradition? Or I don't think it is. Okay. I, I think it, that when... There are some churches that are doing things in a in a better way okay. today than than what they did, um, and there's some growth. But when the focus is on salvation after this life, as opposed to salvation in this life, hmm. then it becomes difficult to retell those stories and to recast them mm -hmm. with a, with a different light. I see. Um, but I think if, I'd agree too. yeah, if, if we can, if the church can take the focus on not everything needs to be about salvation after this life. Mm. And I might very well be dead wrong in that. There might well be a salvation after this life and a place. Um, I don't know. No one knows with any kind of certainty. And I, I admit I could be, could be wrong in that. But if that's all your teaching is about, 
it inherently instills a sense of fear in people because it has to exist on, on that nice knife's edge of fear of what happens at the moment at the moment following death. If everything that we do in our faith is about what happens in the moment after our death, then if that's what your faith is really built on, then that all too often becomes what your preaching becomes about. Okay. Uh, turning away from sin for the highest, right? For the highest consequence. So the problem really is if we keep the the child the the the, the child Jason's understanding mm-hmm. of the Book of Noah. Yep. What we're taught is God could tell you anything. Mm-hmm. including that he's going to kill all of humanity except for you. Yep. And that, in adult Jason, is incompatible with whatever the God ethos represents mm-hmm. in this connection you see or feel or can articulate in yep. the commonality or the community that is important for yep. humanity. Yeah, there's the, I mean, you know, there's, I, I say it almost hyperbolically. And really, the, Noah's more of a cautionary tale then of what not to do instead of what to do. Right. Yep. At least as I feel it, as I see it and as I feel it move in my, in my heart now. He didn't, um, he didn't create, cre- create a following. So you, the, this, I, I'll take it even a little bit further, mm-hmm. like. Really, the point here is not to live for heaven, but to make heaven the best you can in the moment you live in. Yep. And while Noah thought he was working towards a heaven, he really created for a hell for himself. Yes. And that's why he's so drunk. Yep. And that's why he's naked in the stream. He has to drown that out in the best way that he can. He has to drown out those that he drowned. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I say it almost hyperbolically as if um, American Christianity is either a system of salvation in an afterlife or it's not. Uh, but, you know, there is that, that other sense of the Christian ethos, which is about doing good things right now, maintaining the status quo. Um, in the Noah story fits in a different way in that. But man, I see so much of the Christian story or the the biblical story from start to finish about challenging the status quo and challenging the status quo within our hearts and our own tendencies within our hearts. And that's where Noah speaks so loudly to me right now is it's not just about salvation after this life. It's not just about maintaining systems right now and being kind of good but it's really about going back and challenging messages that we hear, challenging systems that are propped up on certain messages, and challenging that own tendency within ourselves that says that at all costs, I need to protect what is mine. Hmm. And I need to protect the, those who are mine. And it tells me that when we do that, we lose out on so much. What would you say to those who respond? You know, 
you're being unfair. You're speaking from such a place of privilege. Um, you've never had to fight the same way other people have to fight just to survive mm -hmm. themselves or their own family. Mm -hmm. um, do we, as members of the community, have a responsibility to take care of ourselves? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, because you're right. I mean, I've, I mean, I, I had to pull myself up by the bootstraps to get where I'm at okay. right now in this life, but I never had to, like, I, I met someone recently um, who at, I think he said he was nine years of age when when drugs were given to him for the first time. Wow. Nine or 11. Um, yeah, and that's, I mean... I mean, he's, you know, my, my son's not yet nine. Yeah. Will be in a couple of months. That's intense. Yep. So, I and he is the most innocent kid. Right? And, and this guy, he... I mean, he saw all, all kinds of violence. And, I mean, had to... I was exposed to things that I'll never be, be exposed to. I don't have any context mm -hmm. for that kind of a, a background in a life. Um, it, so it, you're absolutely right. There is a sense of privilege that I, that I have in being able to say that. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the answer, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that. Um, other than to say that I think there's maybe a difference in like the the old um, <clears throat> Les Mis story of uh, Jean Valjean stealing bread to be able to feed his family mm. and you know the, the <clears throat> cautionary tale out of that was mercy was given to him um, because his act of theft wasn't an act of of theft to take from and position himself above someone else hmm. but simply to give his family an opportunity to survive and get through yeah so that's very in line with the character Jesus' teachings yeah of, yep of give unto others yep and there are those within our community that blessed are the being yep yeah there blessed are those are within our community that, blessed are they that that have to do things are sorrow yeah, you know, to get, to get through, and that's a, and I think that's a different place than fighting to protect what is yours simply to take it, so that it takes advantage, protecting what is yours out of excess. Mm. Yeah. Versus protecting what is yours because if you don't protect it, it could very well die, um, or be in peril and jeopardy from someone else taking it away. That's a. Those are different scenarios and situations. Those of us who are in a place of, of privilege to not have to live that way, I think the story tells us we have a duty back to those who are struggling to survive in the ways that we can. And that might look different for everyone, but that we have a sense of duty, but that those who are in that place struggling to get by and survive, um, I think it is that Jesus narrative that, that says that they are not to be overlooked. Hmm. They are not overlooked. 
but they still have value within the narrative of the story. Hmm. Okay, I love this. So to bring it all back around, for listeners <clears throat> who want to consider this other frame of reference, mm-hmm. one way they could do it is to learn what uh, child Jason learned by going and checking out Awana's website, going through what they taught people about Noah mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, or I'm sure they could just contact you. But if they wanted to read the story for themselves, mm-hmm. um, Genesis 6 through 9-ish, what they should focus on is Noah is the protagonist, not God. God is the supporting cast member, yep. not vice versa. Um Read, read the story with uh, the conversation between Noah and God mm-hmm. as something that Noah um, could have deluded, mm-hmm. been disillusioned, right? Um, it's not real. Um, and then, more, most importantly, look at the context of traumatic events in people's lives that we know of just as human beings and look at the whole picture of Noah's life Mm -hmm. that talks about later years and, and um, what was chosen to be highlighted about him Mm -hmm. in, in later years when he should have been this heroic um, triumphal patriarch. Mm -hmm. And that, that will give listeners the, a chance to, read for themselves the different ways they could interpret all this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think a simple way of me looking at it is when I look at these stories now, I like to think of them as not read them in line of what kind of answers is this supposed to provide for me in the situation that I'm in um, and what sort of revelatory absolute truth is it to provide as I grew up with looking at the Bible that way. But instead, what questions does this does this raise in my soul? What questions does my heart pull out of this? What makes me uncomfortable with this story and with this text? If I could if I could insert someone I love as a character as the character within the story, how do I look at it at that point? Mm. What compassion can I have for that individual who's on the other side of it? And that turns the lens for me to taking these stories that are thousands of years old and changing them from being something that I read to find an answer to being something that I read to go deeper into the human experience. Mm. To just maybe ask more questions. Yeah. Yeah. I and connect to. That's I, I like I like where you're going with that. I think that it it resonates with me just because like especially for really, really early stories like Noah. I mean, the the level of detail in some of the descriptions mm-hmm. and the level of of ambiguity elsewhere for me speaks to like, oh, this has got to be 
oral tradition. Like this cannot have been written for generations <laughs> right. after it became an ancient story or myth mm -hmm. or a bit of folklore or whatever, you know, or truths. Yep. But it didn't get written down for a long time because you can like you can see it in the details of something was a really important part of the story, you know. Yep. It, you can see it in the way different jokes are told by people <laughs> today. Mm -hmm. These jokes aren't written down, but a, a father and his kid will tell that joke the exact same way, mm -hmm. whereas a different father and kid will tell it a different way. Yeah. But they'll be in sync. Yep. With the the father the and the spirit kid. of it is the same. Right. And so that to me speaks oral tradition. And at that point, then like we we kind of have some more historical context for how oral stories were this thing that we did as a species yeah. to take ourselves deeper, right? Before literacy was a thing, before yeah. before saving knowledge and building on knowledge was a thing, when everything had to be transferred from one generation to the next generation. Right. We couldn't have shortcuts, <laughs> had to be transitioned every single generation. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I think... And this is just me now hypothesizing, I don't know this, but I think that lends itself and it requires us as, as finitely, you know, our brains only have so much processing power mm -hmm. to take the big picture stuff, yep. right? The most important stuff and, and glom onto that. Um, and that really speaks to, it sounds like where you're coming from, which is, as this story is not necessarily about having an answer. Mm -hmm. It's about having context for what additional questions to ask right. and why. Yeah. I like it. Interesting. Yeah, I can't see it being written down and preserved exactly as was. I mean, the, the New Testament itself, there are 5,300 um, fragments of manuscripts that comprise the New Testament. Out of all of those books, we don't have a single full copy of any of the books of hmm. the New Testament itself. Interesting. All we have are fragments, and scholars have been able to do the best they can to piece those back together, but there are some pieces of those fragment puzzles that are missing. Um, and that's the New Testament. Yeah, yep. Have you ever, the Detroit Institute of Arts has a fascinating side of the... That's all 2,000 years or less. Yeah. <laughs> Detroit Institute of Arts has stuff that is ancient, like Mesop Mesopotamian age. Okay. Or, um, what is that, like 8,000? Yeah, thousands okay. upon thousands of years old. And they have little little tablets and scripts. Um, you know, and it's basically, I'm guessing how they were made was wet clay and you had a scribe who hand wrote all of this stuff out and stamped it out, and then it got passed along. Some of these are, they're in like cylinder form, and they're maybe a couple of inches tall and about the same in diameter. Um, and you, you just, you, you look at those things, and I had never had a frame of reference until a few months ago when I was at that exhibit. And I realized how painstaking it had to be to write this stuff down. 
and if there's any stroke or character that's written incorrectly, then is if that's the one surviving manuscript, then that's what gets passed down. And if it is a detailed story, and you have your scribe who is educated to write, but the person who is orally telling them, including a bunch of details, is it possible that scribes may have condensed the story to its to its, its essence? Yeah. So yeah, we don't know. I mean, it's just it's fascinating to me to look at the ancient side of it and then look at the kind of church I grew up in that said, well, it had to be preserved exactly as it said that it as it says in English now. You know, Jesus was spoke perfect English, the King's English, and in fact. Um, in the New Testament. But to me, it's just, I just, I don't get anything out of that. And that's maybe the rebuttal to that is, well, you're not supposed to get anything out of God. You're supposed to give to God. But it doesn't invite me into anything that tells me about my human experience. And it doesn't invite me into anything that connects me to those ancient people. Mm. But this kind of a narrative reading that invites me into questions really ties me back to those old stories hmm. and it ties me back not only to those old stories but it gives me a different lens and a frame of reference for the suffering within my own city hmm. and the suffering across the globe hmm. that is unique for us to know about in the last hundred years hmm. yep yeah i i totally agree with you there i and i think one of the most interesting things about this whole bit is um, your one of the things you described about yourself was this ever since you were a boy until a man having run-ins and interactions and um, and sometimes very deep dealings with guilt and shame and depression um, and these are the same types of things that speak to you mm -hmm. in the Noah narrative. Um, and and it kind of, I think it, it kind of lends itself to the point I'm hearing you make, which is that that's what I'm currently getting from this story. Mm -hmm. And that's what I can offer to the world as an interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily the whole interpretation or the best interpretation or the right. only interpretation. Yep. But that's what I can contribute through this story based on my experience, what I see in yep. the character. Um, and I really appreciate that because that is so thoughtful. I love that idea of recognizing that the, the stories, the narratives, it's... If it's alive, then it's taking us somewhere, mm -hmm. and it's there's it's not we haven't figured it all out yet. Yep. There's still more to learn from this story or yeah. to use from this story, right? Like so often, it, it seems like all of that we've already buttoned it all up. You know, you read the commentary on the text and you prepare your sermon. Mm -hmm. It's all laid out for you. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a relic to be preserved. Right, and to make sure we maintain the understanding that we've had. Yep. Keep it the same. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if it's not a relic to preserve and a truth to find in a specific way, but it's a partner to dance with? Cool. It's, well, a, canv it's a canvas. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. And then you can, uh, yeah. So, for, and for you, that canvas expands well beyond the Bible, beyond Christian uh, thought into, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, I, and, I can never pronounce it correctly. And who knows what else? <laughs> right, uh, right up into the prophet, uh, a contemporary mm -hmm. book. Cool. I love it. I have really enjoyed this conversation, Jason. Um, I want to I want to wrap up if that's okay with yeah. you. But before we wrap up, I'd like to um, give you a chance to tell listeners about anything that you're working on that you want other people to know about. Um, if there's projects you want to highlight or you know getting the word out about anything, anything like that, you want to make sure to to plug or mention here. Uh, not right now. Okay. No, cool. and I will. I'm working on working on a book that is based around some of these biblical narrative themes. Uh, but that's a, that's a slog at okay. this point, but I'm hoping to finish that at the, by the end of the year. Okay. Um, by the end of 2019. Yeah. By the end of 2019. Is she a clog? Sorry. That, that's all right. By the end of 2019, um, early next year and then see, see what happens with it. Okay. Give it away. Cool. I don't know. I love it. And um, it's, it's still too far out okay. to, to really plug it. Okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to do before wrapping up completely is, is there anything that, um, that you would want to offer the community, the listeners, anybody who's reacted to you um, in a positive way? Um, like, oh yeah, I come from, I, I mean, I've gone through the exact same things, mm -hmm. like totally agree on all these things. Or to somebody who's like, I'm not following this part or that part or not fully aligned mm -hmm. or, or I've never heard any of this stuff. This is so interesting and new. Um, but is there anything you would like to leave at the conclusion of this story? Not only about your understanding of Noah, the story of Noah as a mm -hmm. kid and now as an adult, but also the story of you as a kid and now as an adult. I think it all that that you you'd want to make sure to leave the the culmination of all of this. I think the a couple of things. The most important one is um, you're worth it. You're worth leaving behind the guilt because you inherently are worth are worth the fight for yourself mm -hmm. because you're inherently beauty and you you are a gift to this world and have a gift to offer to the world even if it's hard to see it you have that to give uh, so remind yourself of that hmm. I just recently wrote myself like you know you, you know about this I wrote a list out of the things that I appreciate myself uh, about myself rather uh, called my I am list and each one is you know <clears throat> I am and then it's followed by something positive that I appreciate about myself. Um, so like one of them is I am a father who leads in mercy and grace and love and who's raising beautiful children. 
And that's one. Write your, if it's hard for you to see it in yourself, write your list down of those things that are great about yourself. Because it, as you see that, that is God speaking to you and telling you the beauty that you see in yourself. And I'll rip off um, Glennon, Glennon Doyle, something she recently posted um, in response to the, the Methodist LGBT uh, decision. And the she, Methodist LGBT decision. Yeah. Okay, so this is where the Methodist denomination um, reversed their acceptance yep. of LGBT as um, non-sin. Yes. Yep. Okay, so now it's sin again. Right. Yep. And they won't so, have uh, they they will not um, have LGBT clergy okay. as well. Will they perform marriages? Nope. Cutting all ties with <clears throat> yes. the idea. Yep. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. I just wanted. No, nope, to... that's all right. Um, so Glennon Doyle wrote, um, it is okay to leave, to leave that church and take, and take your God along with you. You do not need to leave the church and leave God and leave your God there. So as people are in their own journey of faith, if they're in a place where they're not finding something that is bringing them alive, and they have to convince their own soul and tell themselves a story and jump through hoops in their heart to make it fit, you don't have to stay. There's a different place. Or maybe there isn't a place, and, may, and maybe that place is the woods, you know, or coffee shop on a Sunday morning. Who knows what it is? Um, but if that place doesn't reaffirm your inherent beauty and goodness and call you into more depth, then you don't need to stay. And that's okay. And if you're if you've had no experience with Christianity, then and you're wondering about what it is, read it with a sense of awe and, and with a sense of questions. And read read it for the characters that are in the story because there are some fascinating stories. It's full of beauty. Cool. I love it. Thank you, Jason. This has been a great conversation. I, I totally agree with your statement. You are a beautiful person. And this has been a great conversation. Very enlightening. Um, and um, I'm excited to re reread the story of Noah now um, after preparing for it and with this additional context. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. Well, that is the end of this interview with Jason Gooden. It was a long one, and I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, really, I really did. Um, and as you will hear in those, um, in those recordings, I learned a lot of valuable lessons from this recording, uh, how to pick locations that are not necessarily near train tracks, for example, if you heard the trains that came through there. Uh, and I mean, if you recall, if you heard it in there, I referred to this podcast by another name as I was referencing the show. So this is kind of an early recording. You can kind of see the evolution of the podcast. I hadn't even settled on a name when I had, when I had done this interview and, um, kudos and huge gratitude to Jason Gooden and everybody else who's helped me, especially in these early days when 
the podcast really didn't even have a a theme or a form yet, um, and they were still willing to to be a part of it. And just in summation, didn't you like how? I mean, it sounds kind of ironic, but how Jason finds deeper meaning in the story of Noah now after he is quote unquote lost his Christian faith um, than when he had it. I, I love the irony there. I love that Jason, in the midst of all this self-discovery and learning about himself and about um, stories in the Bible like uh, like Noah and the flood, how there's just so much meaning still there for him and for all the rest of us. That'll conclude this show. I want to, again, um, give big ups to the show's sponsors, diaper diapering service subscription diapering service as well as lem shoes both great uh, sponsors of the show and great products for those of you who are interested in getting great products um, go to anchor.fm slash a simple life on any web browser and you can use the links in the show notes to those sponsors go to their websites if you end up buying anything they will give me a little commission and uh, you'll be able to support the show um, through doing that. Also, in the episode today, Jason referenced a book called The Prophet. I think it's written by Khalil Gibran or something like that. I will find that book and I will link it in the resources section of the show notes so that if you're interested in that book as well, you can find it. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of A Simple Life with Michael Jeffries, and we'll keep talking later on.